Hello, everyone. Welcome. Happy weekend to those of you who have the weekend off. Many of you working. I always say this on a Friday night show. Many of you working because I don't want to make people feel left out. Because you, know, you, some... you used to work on I, the weekends early I, in your career. A lot. I used to work on yeah, the weekends. Yeah, that's Drew Doherty, by the way. I'm Mark Vandermeer, hey Texans All Access. And welcome to the program. I used to work my first radio full-time job in Clearfield, Pennsylvania, spinning 45s. It was an oldie station, and they had old technology, so I'm not mm-hmm. that old, although I am. We had to work six days a week. That was the yeah. shift, if you will. I had Sunday mornings. So I wasn't doing the morning show regularly. I did morning news, and I did the midday DJ show. Sunday mornings had to be there at 6, Oof. 6 till noon. Yeah. And it was all this newsy stuff and Paul Harvey's weekend thing and, and all the these other things. Pro- oh, my so gosh. So you had Saturdays off? Saturday was my day off, but I couldn't do anything Saturday yeah. night because I had to be there at 6 a.m. on Sunday morning. Yeah, I was. I kind of had a similar setup when I was in Lubbock, during, especially during football season. You, right. you anchor five days a week. You have the game on Saturday. Oh, yeah. All the stuff around the game. And then on Sunday, I'd have to go in for two or three hours and voice stuff for the Mike Leach show. So When did you do the Spanish sports casts? I did those at 5 o'clock Monday through Friday. So Drew Doherty did sports casts in Spanish on television. Yeah, at Telemundo. I'd do Very a cool. 4 o'clock hit, and then I'd do a 5 o'clock, like a 4.50, 5.20, right. and then you, your big one was at like 9.50. Mm-hmm. Was that, that difficult? So you could write in Spanish too? I could write it out, and mm-hmm. it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't the it wasn't the cleanest Spanish. La pelota. It was. It yeah. was like very King's English mm-hmm. Spanish, type right. of, you know. And then they would the the producers that I had would clean it up the grammar that was wrong. So it went in the prompter prompter perfectly, and then I'd <laughs> I'd get up and do it. But basically, they had me in because they had me to doing that because um, I'd started at the Fox affiliate six months before, and I would chit chat with the folks in the Telemundo mm-hmm. uh, outfit. It was all in the same building in the hall. Going right. back and forth because I got a degree in Spanish, and um, I did not know this about you. The, the guy, degree, yeah, the guy that was doing, he was on air for Telemundo. Did the news, the sports, mm-hmm. and the weather, and he was like, "I'm, I'm burnt out. Can you, can you do the sp- sports?" And I was like, "I can do it. I don't think I'm going to sound like, um, you know, Andres Contour." And he's <laughs> like, "No, no, no, no. Just you write it. We'll do the grammar, and then you get up and do it because you have a prompter." And right it gives him a break. Yeah, it gives him a break. And it makes it, it looks more legitimate if there's more people doing the news. Yeah, so. our TV shows on Telemundo here in Houston. Yeah, and Espanol, Primero yeah. y Diez with Enrique. Vasquez oh yeah, they do a great and job. Company, of it. Mm-hmm. and you do a weekly video with Enrique. Yeah, sometimes two times a week when we're at home. But yeah, is Enrique that puntos extra? Puntos extra, yeah, mm-hmm. extra points. I know what that means. Yes, he and I will just chop up. Two subjects, basically. Basically mm-hmm. talk one thing about the offense, one thing about the defense, and preview the game, recap the game. So, yeah. Very cool. All Anyways. right, well, let's talk Texans. Yeah. And uh, it's Mark Vandermeer and Drew Doherty with you. It is Friday the 13th, so as we promoted, we will get to it, probably starting in this segment, we will get to the most horrifying <laughs> games in Texans history because it's Friday the 13th. Why not? I just thought of this this morning, and – Look, we do have some to choose from. There's no question about that. Every franchise does. We have some special ones, though, that we will get to. Uh, First of all, you and I haven't talked on the air about the preseason schedule. Look, I know this isn't exactly earth-shattering news when the preseason schedule comes out, but there's an element of mystery to it, because a strong element of mystery, because you really don't know who you're going to play every year. 
it was, I don't know, the first six, seven, eight years when they played Tampa Bay in week four every preseason. Right. They try to take on the Cowboys every year, but it doesn't always happen. They're going to take them on this year, and this is the makeup game, if you will, from last year when they take them on week four here. Yeah, no doubt. And Usually you get the Saints. Didn't happen this year, but Mm -hmm. I love it because the third week you get to go to Los Angeles, so I'm yeah. All about, for us, it's fun. Yeah, it's it's more about a social planning thing for when we, <laughs> for finding out the preseason schedule. Basically, you want to see where your August goes because, yeah. and it's it's a little clearer, not totally clear yet. Mm-hmm. But I love that the Texans get to play at Los Angeles. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Right. Kansas City should be a good one. It's a good young quarter. I mean, basically, if you were to have all four starting quarterbacks play, you're not going to see Dak Prescott. No. So it's really the three. We get to see really good quarterbacks. I think you do. Garoppolo, Mahomes, not in this order, Garoppolo, Mahomes, and uh, and Goff. So you get a, a nice test a little bit there for your defense. Yeah, and you're with me on this, I'm sure, because you were here in 2010 when the Texans beat the Cowboys in the preseason with the starters. I think it was a week three game. Yeah. And then in the regular season, lost to them badly here. Yes. And bo- both games were here, preseason, regular season. I'm fine that Dallas is week four. Week four, great. Yeah. Now, from an organizational standpoint, when the Cowboys are in your building, you're going to get fans here because you have Dallas sure. fans, and they're going to want to see. And, look, you get to see, not that this is a big selling point, but you do see both teams warm up with the starters. Mm-hmm. You know? You'll know, you see Watson warm up that day, and yes. then they'll sit him down. See J.J. Watt out there. You yeah, know, you'll see Dak Prescott out there because they want to stay in that kind of game right. rhythm because they don't play for another 10 days till the regular season begins. And one thing to remember this year that's different than last mm-hmm. – You'll have the full complement of ninety guys at yeah, your disposal. Right. You're not cut down to seventy five, which is big on depth, especially for this game, that fourth yeah. game, because sometimes you have to rely on guys that you didn't really want to rely on. Right. And you know, that that's a good thing. Because like one year you had to see Ryan Mallett play quarterback because uh, the starting quarterback for that game got knocked out, Tom Savage. Right. He was the third stringer, so they were starting him. You wanted him to go the whole Mallet way. Mallett was kind of the emergency backup in he that exactly game. exactly was the emergency backup. And you didn't backup. want to see him at all, but you had to, and that was the Mallett-Hoyer year. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it, it was what it was. But it's a good point. You didn't get to see game four last year because of the hurricane, but now you can play everybody. You don't have to play anybody you're going to keep. Virtually, exactly. you could make that happen. And there, there might be a guy or two. And there might be a guy or two, actually, that you were going to cut that was out the window that has an absolutely remarkable game mm-hmm. that, that makes you think, why are we doing this? Well, we better keep this guy. Yeah, why are we jettisoning, yeah. jettisoning this guy from our building? Exactly. Yeah, go ahead and keep him. Or hope that you can sneak him out of the practice squad. That's the other thing with game four, because you're hoping to cut a guy and then you can get him back on the practice squad. Uh-huh. But somebody can pick him up. So now he has a good game four. And there goes your practice squad opportunity. So it kind of backfires on you. You had to play him because you didn't want to play somebody you were definitely going to keep. Now this guy has a great game, and you feel like, oh, if we really want him, we've got to keep him on the 53. It makes me think about Dick Vermeil came and spoke at the Texans' house during the Super Bowl a year oh, or so yeah. ago. He did a really cool event with Bill O'Brien. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that really stuck out with me and has stayed with me from what Vermeil said is Kurt Warner would not have made it in the current NFL because – Back then, with longer practices, right. more opportunities, you got to see him. But Warner probably would have been cut, according to Vermeil, because in the current climate, because you don't have as much time with the guys. So That's this crazy. is this is kind of this fourth game and having these these extra fifteen guys. There might be. I'm not saying a Kurt Warner, but there mm-hmm. might be a guy that winds up contributing to your team, other teams down the line that you would not have seen previously. 
Well, you might not have seen Case Keenum in 2013, mm-hmm. which meant you might not have seen him the following year, 2014, right. which means he might not be where he is right now with a big contract. I mean, it means so much to have those opportunities yes. in week four. But to go back, you're right, to the 90s and the Warner era, if you will, that is huge. Mm-hmm. Now, Warner, I want to say he did that Iowa barnstorming right, he was arena AFL, football. Yeah. Did he do Europe as well? I think I mean, so, yeah. To me, to have Europe was big for certain yeah. players. Yeah. Uh, you just need a, to find a way to develop these guys totally. even more. And, and maybe that's what's coming with these these spring leagues. That yeah. I've seen pop up. Johnny Manziel was playing in one last night. Yeah. So. I mean, Manziel having this opportunity is big for him, and who knows yep. who else might emerge from that. How many players do you get from the CFL? Not many, no. but there have been a few. Uh, sometimes I think it's just it's good to have another place where you can play professional football and, and get a whiff. All right, some other things happening. Oh, a little bit more on the preseason schedule here. You're going to play Kansas City on the road in the opener. Yeah. So you'll fly from the Greenbrier there, and presumably they haven't announced this yet, but back to the Greenbrier mm-hmm. and then back home to face San Francisco. Probably so, yeah. Yeah, I think that's how it's going to go. So you'll have three weeks at the Greenbrier. And a decent chance you practice here a day or so, maybe more, against San Francisco. I don't know. Decent chance. Look, if I'm Kyle Shanahan, I know what it's like in Houston in the summer. So he'll have a great base of knowledge uh, to make that decision with. Maybe he wants to, because it's so nice up there in Northern California, maybe he wants to get a tough day or two in just just to see. I don't know why you would, but maybe... (laughs) <laughs> you never know. And I think we're all eagerly awaiting, hey, do they get an opportunity to practice against the Rams in L.A.? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be something that'd if they be get that chance? That'd be fine with me. Yeah, that'd be fine with me, too. I think we'd make that More work. time in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. More time. Good. All right, let's get to this now. Uh, this could take a couple of segments. Fair enough. It's Friday the 13th. I am not – I want to make it clear. I am not a Friday the 13th guy. I don't believe in this stuff. I'm not superstitious. I think there should be a 13th floor in every building. There should be a 13th row in the airplane. Who are we fooling here? If there's no 13th floor or 13th row, guess what? Row 14 is the 13th one. Oh, it's about the number. Oh, please, really? I don't believe in any of this stuff. Mark, I met my beautiful wife, Vita, on a Friday the 13th in June of 2008. Shout out to Helen Young. Shout out to Mike Drone. They were there helping facilitate they, things. They were, Chris huh? Coleman. Yeah. So I'm fine with Friday the 13th. It was a happy day for me. Happy day. You met your beautiful wife. Yep. You have beautiful children. Everything's great. Yeah. Good. All right. So that, that disproves everything about Friday yes. the 13th. Uh, the movies, whatever. But since it is Friday the 13th, let's just have some fun. The most horrifying games in the history of the franchise. And I'm not going to start with number one or number two. Okay. And I think people out there who have heard me and us, really, for a long time know what those might be. Right. But I'll start farther down on the list here. Okay. So you give me one. You give me one somewhere on the list. Okay. I'll give you – Because I'm not going to rank them just yet. All right. Instead of giving you one, Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you a trio. A season. No. Because they all happened at New England in (laughs) succession at New England. And that means – at New England, regular season Monday Night Football 2012, you get smoked. At New England, playoffs mm-hmm. a month later, 2000, early 13 from the 12th season, playoffs smoked. Next time you go to New England, week three, you're facing the third string quarterback, Jacoby Brissett, you get shut out. So that's in 2016. Those are my three right there. It's New England, though. It was a house of horrors. It was. It got a little bit better in the playoffs. In 16, but not much. And they got a lot better last regular season when you got close to beating them. 
Uh, Landry Locker this morning, every time I visit with the morning guys on 610, he plays this obscure highlight. It could be one time it was a Phil Dawson extra point. Another time, well, this morning it was Aaron Hernandez. Okay, let's just put it that way. On Friday the 13th. Wow. Anyway, I like this. That's a good pick. That horrible trinity of New England games. And this past year, man, the offensive showdown it was. It was a terribly frustrating loss, yes, but at least you left there with great feelings about the offense. I was so scarred from those three games that I just mentioned, as well as the playoff game Mm -hmm. in 16, that I normally leave the press box with about eight minutes to go and get down on the field on the road, Mm -hmm. regardless of road game. So I'd done that every time, and it seemed like every time in New England I'd done that for those four Mm-hmm. The Texans are scratching and clawing to get back within about 25 points. Right. You know, they're just out of it. This year, I got to the field. The Texans were up, <sighs> and they extended their mm-hmm. lead while I was down there, and then they lost the lead. So it was just such a weird it just doesn't feel turn very of events. Good. Yeah. Okay, Friday the 13th, the most horrifying games in the history of the franchise. This one, to me, is in the top five. Okay. It's not one or two, but it's in the top five. Seattle 2013. Absolutely. You're two and one. Mm-hmm. You've got the game in hand almost. Almost. It's, what, third and two? It's third Second and four. Two? Third and four, yeah, third and four. So it's going to be a tough get. It's a tough get, and it's the uh, it's the second guess. Should you have run Arian Foster? Yes, you should and have. Four? And if you don't get it, you've got the Shane Leckler was painting the inside of the five yard line that <laughs> early part the of the season. I mean, he was he was like dropping it with a viper bite wedge. This brings up a whole other topic to me, and I can't. I must have thought of this, but when we're talking about say, I don't know, New England, for instance, mm-hmm. last year or Seattle last year. Now you have Seattle in 2013, you have third and four, and everyone's saying you should have run Arian. Like, it's so obvious. Mm. But if Arian gets stuffed right there, they're saying you got to throw the ball, right? I mean, you have Matt Schaub. This is your multi-million dollar quarterback. No, you've, you've got the best punter ever, that you can, and you can pin it. So you're, so you're you saying can it's okay offense. to be conservative right there. Yeah, you've got the lead. I you don't can, know, though. Russell See, Wilson was not... Russell Wilson. Yeah, no, but just he just yet. scored though on that other so, drive where he's running around like Doug. Flutie is he going to go ninety six yards on that defense again that late again, on the road? Probably not. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Instead, you gave the ball to Richard Sherman and he did it himself. And so then, their defense scored, and then the game's tied, and it feels like it's over. And actually, in overtime, I think you stopped them. You had the ball, but you still couldn't win the football yeah. game. Or at some point, you had the ball in overtime. Couldn't. I'm score. with you though. That that definitely belongs in there. Totally. That, that totally belongs in there. It starts up a whole other conversation, though, doesn't it? We're going to keep this conversation going. Most horrifying games in franchise history on Friday the 13th because it is the weekend and we're having a little fun here. It's Texans Radio. Texans All Access here from NRG Stadium. Mark Vandermeer and Drew Doherty in the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. And since it's Friday the 13th, we were doing most horrifying games in the history of the franchise. And... So far on the list, I'm not going to do number one or two yet mm-hmm. because, to me, those are etched. I cannot be talked out of those positions just yet. We will get to them during this segment. But we've already brought up – Drew brought up the three games at New England, the two in 2012 and the one in 2016. 16. I left the out Thursday that playoff game. It wasn't the a good one, game, but it wasn't horrible. Well, it was a playoff yeah. loss, but, you know, you were down one in the second quarter. I'm not saying you left there with a good feeling – but you left there with a the feeling of, man, just get a little more offense. You might be able to win this football game, at least have the lead in the second yeah. half, see where it goes. So we didn't include that one in that trinity. Uh, we also had the Seattle game in 2013. That was the poster child game for what would become a 2-14 and season. I think that game sort of encapsulated everything. You had the lead. You lost it on a pick six to tie it, and then eventually lost it in OT. That was a close one. 
mm-hmm. and you, you give it up, that's like the fulcrum for everything going south in 13. The next week right. also has to be on the list. You go out to San Francisco, you're on Sunday Night Football, and oh. you are embarrassed, embarrassed. from the outset. Pick from six. the outset. First throw of the game is a pick six. And that was a game where, all right, you got to remove doubt now. Okay, mm-hmm. you had a, a loss at Baltimore, which was not good, and you had a pick six in that game. Mm-hmm. You actually had a pick six in the win over Tennessee in week two, but you were able to overcome it with the DeAndre Hopkins touchdown. And your first overcome. pass of week one was picked off, and it they was. scored after that. So it wasn't a pick six, but anyways. Yikes. That was just such a – it wasn't a roller coaster. It was a toboggan ride down into the abyss. That's mm-hmm. what it was. So anyway, yeah, that San Francisco game was another blowout from the get-go. It was, it was horrifying. You lost Owen Daniels for the year in that game. That year – they just kept on losing guys as the year went on. It wasn't as bad an injury season as it was in 2017 Correct. with the 4-12 and 12 yeah. campaign, 78 players. But, yeah, those were two awful ones. Let's go to 2010. Because 2010, when we're talking Friday the 13th, most horrifying games, yep. it's hard for me to pick what was the most horrifying of that year because there were so many to choose from. San Diego wasn't it, but that was pretty horrifying here at home. That was bad, too, because Arian scores a touchdown that kind of puts you in command with a, yeah. a, a really command. You already had the lead, and I think it put you up further. Yeah. And that stupid bobble rule yeah. overrules a touchdown, and then it's just south after that. It was south. The Jet game that's was it. really bad. That's my two from that season. Okay. At New York in 2010, you got the lead with what? 40 seconds? And yeah. They- and you got the lead on a Sanchez pick. You had great field position. You score. Mm-hmm. But he leads them right down the field in, inside a minute. It felt like inside of six seconds. <laughs> it was it so felt like a bull bad. ride. Like just you know, a, it was like just, bang, bang, like there, And there was nothing you could do to stop it. Like it was predetermined that yeah. the Jets were going to win the game, and they throw a long pass and then a short pass to Santonio Holmes. Yeah. That's up there, and I'll add to this list, mm-hmm. the at Jacksonville game with that's where Glover one. bats it that's somehow, the, the Hail Mary, into Michael that's, Thomas's hands. That's the one. Yeah. That's the one. Because David Garrard throws that pass. You could break it up, and you would have gone to overtime. I think the game was tied at that point. Right. To lose it in that fashion, the, the look of disbelief on the players' faces after that, that one was – that's the poster child game of that season. Yeah. You know? And that season was one in which you were 4-2 and two yeah. and looking pretty good. Then D'Amico goes out for the year, and it snowballs from there. Uh, there were more that year, though. Baltimore here, uh, the pick six in overtime. Come all the way back and tie it up to go to overtime. Unbelievable drives to tie yeah. it up. I mean, 90-plus yard drives With two-point conversions. Back. Down 16, you tie the game. Amazing catches by Dre and Jacoby Jones. Amazing. To stay in, yeah, stay in bounds, yeah. Yeah, that was true Friday the 13th stuff, Blah. that game. All right, so that season was horrible at 6-10. and 10. Mm-hmm. Now, what about earlier? I know there's one earlier. Actually, there's two because number one and two are in earlier seasons. I got one. Is there something from 2009, perhaps? <laughs> yeah, you don't have to go far, Mark. Open uh, season opener, New York Jets in town. You've got all this enthusiasm. You think that's one of the worst ones? I think so. I mean, it. You, you're facing a rookie quarterback too. Yeah. And they came in, and you were never in that game. I mean, the Jets just smoked them. That was also yeah. my first regular season game. And in the fourth quarter, I get a text from one of my friends saying, Doherty, did you give the Texans diabetes or something? <laughs> and so I was like, Whoa. And you're a diabetic. I'm a diabetic, so, so I can make that joke. But, yes. uh, yeah, it was it was ugly. I was that like, that yeah. was an ugly one. I think 2009 was one of those. Uh, 
those years. It was the first ever winning season for the franchise at nine and seven. Mm-hmm. But it coulda, woulda, shoulda been a lot better. They were five right. and three at the halfway point. They did lose Owen for the year. Here's another Owen injury. Owen for the year in that game. And they go on a losing streak. They lose four consecutive games, and two of them off the foot of Chris Brown, unable to connect on game-tying field goals at the end Mm -hmm. against the Colts and against Tennessee at home. They have another game against the Colts in that stretch, and I want to say they were up 17 in that game. I think, yeah, it was here, deep steel blue. Yeah. 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 They were up 17 in that game, and they lost it. Yep. And they lost at Jacksonville on the Chris Brown running back. Chris Brown, the running back, halfback option, interception in the end zone. It wasn't the only play that lost them the game, but that was a, a big loss. I remember Matt Schaub went out for that game for a stretch in that game. A dislocated shoulder. Yeah, yeah, but he came back, and I thought, well, there goes the season. You're you're done now. Rex Grossman comes in, but Schaub comes right back. Yep. And they lose that game, but then they win four consecutive to end the season, so they finish nine and seven. But man, you win any one of those games, you're going to the playoffs at ten and six. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, Isn't it is amazing? amazing. Okay, Bill O'Brien era. You know, since we're on this Friday the thirteenth mm-hmm. subject of most horrifying games in Texans history, what, I got, what's the most? What's I got the a, most horrifying game. I got to go with the Chiefs playoff loss. I guess you have to. It's a playoff game. You're at home, and it was just so. Demoralizing. It really was. The opening kickoff returned for a touchdown against you. The fever pitch excitement. The Mm -hmm. fans going nuts. You're back in the playoffs. My gosh. It was 2015, right? You're back in the playoffs for the first time since 2012. Let's rock at home. Let's go. You're playing the team you lost to on opening day. Guess what? Terrible. You know, it might seem like it was just an onslaught from the get-go, which it kind of was with the kickoff. But you were still, you still had chances. You were 30- sort of in it when you had that drive where Alfred Blue had, I think, about 40, 50 yards rushing, and then you get close. <laughs> Watt and Wilfork. Yeah, you put the quake formation in. And, yeah. You know, yeah, everybody, look, I know that that was not, um, you know, Bill O'Brien would admit it. It's not a great call because it didn't work, yeah, you know. Yeah. But that was one of the plays in the set of downs you had near mm-hmm. the goal line. It was only one. Yeah. They didn't have them in there for three downs and try to pound it in with those guys. All right, it didn't work. They could have scored on that drive, and they right. didn't, despite that play not working. But I get it. It's hindsight, whatever. That didn't work. It was 13 nothing at that point. If they score a touchdown right there, let's say Watt is able to run it in somehow. You're down 13-7. The place is erupting. You're down six. You've got a good chance to win that football game. Totally. And then compounding this whole thing mm-hmm. and making that loss even worse, you lose J.J. You, you lose, lose J.J. JJ. That, that's, in the know, game. And he's yeah. played a total of seven games since. So. Yeah, that's that's a tough one. Oh, you just depressed me even more. That you know one that? You uh, just took me down a few notches. That, sorry. that game started it all, really. The indestructible JJ, because even that year he had the club on his hand, then yep. he got the club off of his hand, and JJ's back, and then you know he might just playing. be a little window there of of disappointment. He could be back this year. Could, he could, could be, be back, back and doing the whole thing. No, I know. You and, also... and I would not, like Bill O'Brien says, I would not bet against Watt. I would no. not bet against him. I think that everything he's hearing out there is such a motivator for him. Sure. Not that he needs more, but, you know, the great ones always find a way to get even more motivated. So let's see what happens. You also got from that season at Miami, at Atlanta, not necessarily in that order, but those were two pretty – Gosh, awful, awful, all three awful in the games. Same season. Yeah. Friday the thirteenth, most horrifying games. Atlanta, Miami will live forever in infamy mm-hmm. in this franchise's history. Miami was worse. Oh yeah, it was worse. That doesn't mean Atlanta was a walk in the park, 
But Miami was horrible because of the mallet situation. It just felt like everyone was standing still. Yeah. Now, in the second half, I know they were competitive or whatever. They didn't, you know, lay, lay down in the second half. Great. You know, Hoyer had three touchdown passes in the second half of each of those blowout losses. Whatever. Yeah. You know, and, you know, those were, you know, people accuse the, the Hoyer proponents of that, of inflating his numbers based on those TD passes. What, even if you take those out, he was still positive in the touchdown-to-interception ratio that year. But anyway, and not that he had a great year because in the playoff game it was terrible. But, <laughs> what, four interceptions and a fumble? You keep going down rabbit holes, man. I know, I do, I do. But this is what I do. You know this. You know this about me by now. But the Miami game to me was worse. It just felt the season was over. You were done. Yeah. You were 2-5. and five. You just lost like that? Yeah. There's no way you're coming back from that. That's There's ugly. no way. Three games under 500. There's no chance. Forget it. The season's over, yet they made the playoffs for the it, first time in three years. And on a personal note, mm-hmm. the outcome of the game was insult to injury because I was riding up pregame on the elevator. Right. I was what in the happened? elevator by myself, and it starts shaking as it's going up, and the tiles, like the plexiglass no. tiles from above. Did I know this? Fall down. It took a chunk out of my head to the point where I had to go to first aid, but they're like, uh, yeah, you're okay. I didn't need stitches or anything, but I was... Like, there's blood, blood yeah, on the back of my shirt. Shot. Yeah, so, anyways. That stadium's not exactly brand I'm new. I'm taking the stairs there from now on. And that was, uh, they had renovated it, but they weren't done yet or something yeah, like that. they hadn't renovated that old elevator. No, old not at all. Rickety bucket of, yeah. All right, so, look, we could go on and on about this. I could go on about, let's see, 2003, fourth and ten against the Titans here on Christmas Eve or right around Christmas, and Steve McNair hitting Drew Bennett on fourth and ten for a mm. touchdown to win the game for the Titans. Uh, that year also, Peyton Manning, late field goal mm. when you had them. Not beat, but you know, sort of on the ropes a little bit. Yep. But number one and two, since it's Friday the 13th, we're doing this most horrifying games in Texans history just for fun, just to get it out of our system. I'm going to say the second most horrifying game is Rosencopter. Yeah, that's, that's valid. Yeah. It's got to be. I, I mean, mean, you're up so big in a season 17 where... 17-point lead. Yeah, you go 500 that season and... Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a chance you well, had to go above 500 if you win that game. You were 0 and 3. You're coming home to play the Colts. Schaub has some sort of virus and can't go. He wants to play, but they won't let him because he's too weak. Rosenfels starts, and you're up 17. Mm-hmm. Rosenfels, I think, where did it occur? Around midfield or maybe beyond? And I talked to him about it recently. I interviewed him during the season because he was at Andre Johnson's big weekend and everything, and he said he's just trying to make a play. Yeah. You know, he's just trying to make a play. Oh, and it, Yeah, it happened. And he did, yeah. and he got spun around. Gary Brackett recovers the fumble and brings it into the end zone. And then Rosenfels has said many times he was done after that because even though they're still up, he – yeah, they were still up three at that point. They got the ball around the 20. He fumbles again. Oh, my gosh. He oh, fumbled again. And then they take the lead, and it's game over. Mm. That was awful. That, that was awful. And you go 0-4. And, and then the next week, it was about to be 0-5, but 4th and 10 against Miami, Jeremiah Bell, Andre Johnson, Matt Schaub runs it in, boom. And you go 500. Yeah. They went 5-1 and one down the stretch. But Rosencopter, no question about it, definitely so, the number two most painful, most horrifying game in the history of the franchise. And Friday the 13th to cap it off. He should have – I'm hoping, I'm hoping you're editing in the mm-hmm. Casey Kasem Top 40 number uh, one where they have the people all shouting I numbers. Could. So. I could. Uh, let's do this.
the number one game. Is there any is there any doubt in your mind? Is there any doubt in the mind of any diehard Texans fan what the most painful, horrifying game was in the history of the franchise? Two thousand five, you go two. No, listen, I'm setting it oh. up. Two thousand five, you go two and fourteen. Okay. You get the number one pick. Mm-hmm. Talk radio mm-hmm. in Houston. A lot of people saying Vince Young. Some people saying Reggie Bush. You wind up taking Mario Williams. Which was the right decision, by the way. The Titans take Young. He comes to town. Yep. And wins it on a walk-off. That's your worst. That's the worst one. Most nightmarish 39-yard run at overtime. Yeah. It was awful. Mm-hmm. It was painful. It was unforgettable. It was stopped of insanity. It was so terrible at the time. Because you felt like you made the wrong decision. And we all like Vince now. Like, it's all in the past. Yeah, Vince yeah. is a Texas legend. Just got into the Texas Sports Hall of Fame. Longhorn, mm-hmm. great, whatever. But that was so miserable a day. That's the one. Yeah. All right. So, we got that out of our system. We'll, let's cleanse ourselves. <laughs> uh, let's bring in the president of the Texans, Jamie Roots, coming up next. We'll talk about some happy things happening here at NRG Stadium. Draft party in a couple of weeks. Kids triathlon, a whole bunch of great stuff, and then some. Drew, thanks a lot for joining us. Anytime, Mark. Thanks. There's Drew Doherty. You know him from Texans TV. And don't forget to catch Texans 360 tomorrow night. That's ABC 13, Saturday night, 11 o'clock, after the late news. And read all the stuff on HoustonTexans.com. I remind you of that all the time. And check out HoustonTexans.com, by the way, to get on the priority wait list. Check out HoustonTexansLux.com for sweet information. Great website, wealth of information, and all the videos of last year's highlights to get you pumped up for this next year. And guess what? Schedule's coming out next week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I'm not sure. I'm going to bet Wednesday. I'll say Wednesday the schedule comes out. I'm calling my shot. We'll see if I'm right. Next up, we'll talk to Jamie Roots about some preseason action, some stuff going on here at NRG Stadium, the president of your Houston Texans. And I got a text from DP who disagrees with some of our most horrifying games in team history selections. In fact, she says we left a crucial one out. I'll tell you what that is next, among other things, on Texans Radio. Kicking it on a Friday night here on Texans Radio in the Hyundai Texans Radio studio. Mark Vandermeer with you. Big weekend plans for me. I got the boys to myself. The wife is out of town. It's a bachelor party at my house. So my 5-year-old, my 12-year-old, we are going to be partying big. And by partying, I mean ice cream, I mean cookies, we are going to have a big time at the Vandermeer household this weekend, plus flag football on Sunday. All right, This is something I really look forward to, and I've mentioned this many times. This is the greatest sport in the world, flag football. It's five on five. I'm in the Texan Flag Football League in Sugarland, New Territory, texanflagfootball.com for that. And there are great leagues all around the greater Houston area, mostly through YMCAs. I believe HoustonTexans.com has information on this. Now, we were doing, because it's Friday the 13th, we were doing – the most horrifying games in Texans history, just for fun. Come on. It's not so serious. But Drew and I had the list, and D.P. Sidhu texted in to say we forgot a big one, and she's right. I mean, when you think about it, because her version of horrifying could be a little bit different, she actually has a win in there. She thought that the game against the Bengals this last year, week two, Thursday night, with everybody hurt, all the tight ends out, Yet seven offensive linemen playing from time to time. Watson's first start, she was scared during that game. But they won the game. Watson had that big touchdown run, 51 yards. But I get what she's saying. I mean, that's a different kind of – that's scary, not horrifying. I guess we have to establish the criteria. But she did say we left one out that obviously belonged. That would be the Colts game in 2013, that horrendous season. But that's when Gary Kubiak had the collapse at the half. 
that was literally horrifying. I mean, you really didn't know what was going on with him health-wise, and it was like another it, – it, it went outside the world of sports. So that certainly should go on the list. I don't want to do that list anymore. Let's move on to more positive things, like bringing in to the Hyundai Texans radio studio the president of your Texans, Jamie Roots. Jamie, how's it going? I'm doing great, Mark. How are you? Doing well. The preseason schedule is out, so we're happy. We finally have a slate of games in August. It's funny because we know the opponents in the regular season, but you never know the preseason really until it comes out. And here it is. And it's exciting stuff because, you know, that's the next time the Texans take the field. Yeah, that's right. I mean, this is the, these are the dog days, right? You don't have any <laughs> football to enjoy. And so we're anxiously looking forward to anything. You know, training camp and, and uh, preseason is always uh, a lot of fun. You know, we start off going to KC, an opportunity to square off in their house at a, mm-hmm. with a playoff team. And Patrick Mahomes, hopefully get a chance to see a little bit of him. Then we play San Francisco here in Houston. You've got Garoppolo, another young quarterback, and mm-hmm. um, and then you've got L.A. We go to L.A. to uh, right. play the Rams, another playoff team, another young quarterback with Goff, and then come back here. It's always fun. I don't care what you're playing. When you're playing Dallas, you play tiddlywinks or <laughs> preseason football, it's a big deal, and it's a big deal for our fans. And one interesting thing, you look at the ratings of our preseason games. You know, they're, they're practice games. They're preparation games. But our preseason games last year – outrated every series of the uh, Astros playoff run except for the World Series. The American League Championship Series was not higher than our preseason games. It's It's the second-rated television program in Houston, second only to our regular season games. And number three is not even close. In fact, uh, our preseason games are two times higher than those uh, than that third uh, program in Houston. So everybody's looking forward to football, and unfortunately we're going to have to wait a little while, but we've got some excitement on the horizon. You know, you brought up TV ratings, and interestingly enough, even though there was a little bit of a dip last year, you look at the last 10 years, they're up overall, and you look at primetime television, the gap has never been greater between the NFL and primetime TV. No, that's right. I mean, eventually it's going to kind of create some softness. I mean, the they talked about live sports events being DVR-proof, and I think that's true, but it's not proof to the um – uh, to the plethora of ways you can access games. I mean, mm-hmm. you can get them on your phone, you can get them on your tablet, out of home, etc. So it's natural to see, and, and it has kind of ebbs and flows. But, yeah, the gap's never been greater versus prime. I don't know what it is, two or three times uh, higher than, than prime average ratings. And, um, you know, much higher than it was 10 years ago. So we'll continue to, hey, never waste a good crisis. So the league has spent a lot of time thinking about the scheduling and the map, matchups that they can create, mm-hmm. you know, to, to turn that around. But, I mean, at the end of the day, there's nothing like it on television. In fact, we were at the owners meeting and had the head of CBS Sports and had a Spock Sports, and they couldn't be clearer uh, how important mm-hmm. the National Football League is uh, to them as, a, as an, an enterprise. Never waste a good crisis. I like this. I always get a good nugget or two interviewing you here on Texans Radio. Uh, with the schedule out, you know, a lot of people ask me anyway, and I'm sure they ask you about tickets, and that's always the big question. And with the slate, you know, the regular season slate is unbelievable, by right. the way, because you mentioned Dallas coming here in the preseason. They come here twice. They come here in the regular season as well. But what about tic- people who want tickets? There is a wait list, right? There's a pretty long wait list. So what's the best way to do this? Well, we, well, at the end of the day, we'll have almost all of our season ticket holders come back. But there's some opportunities for the wait list to move into being season ticket members. We have 28,000 members on that uh, wait list. And 
continues to grow every day. There's also the secondary market. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, you're going to pay a significant premium over the uh, the regular season prices that our season ticket members pay. But it gives you access to games, and you right. can. You know, Ticketmaster is our uh, our official outlet, and uh, so those opportunities ex- exist. And I tell you, in addition to the marquee teams that are coming in outside of our division, let me tell you, the AFC South is an incredibly competitive division. Wow. Uh, each of those uh, three other teams, are we're going to be neck and neck. It's going to mm-hmm. be a dogfight. And so every game we have at home and on the road, I think, is going to be pretty special this year. Yeah, no doubt about that. All right, so it's a Texans tradition to do a draft party. Right. And I've been to all of them. I've done shows at all of them, dating back to 2002 in the Astrodome and <laughs> the West Club and then the Concourse because it's just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. And this year, no first or second round pick. So what do you do about a draft party? You move the day. Well, you know, we have uh, we cut off the distribution of tickets, right? So it's kind of like a 10,000-person deal. We didn't know what to expect when we moved it to Friday, which we're mm-hmm. going to do it on Friday night. We have three selections in the third round, which means we'll be selecting uh, three of the top 100 players in the NFL draft. But once again, the tickets went in a flash. Right. So, and and uh, Desha- uh, Deshaun Watson is going to be making an appearance there at the draft party. So for those that were lucky enough to get tickets, you might get a chance to get a picture with him or at least see him in, in person as he continues his rehabilitation and preparation for 2018. That's going to be fun. HoustonTexans.com for more information on that. Now, it's not really a tradition, but it often ends up on the same weekend, the Texans Care Volunteer Day. And I know this is something that you're really proud of and and should be because the players get involved and fans get involved. It's kind of something everyone can do together to help the city of Houston. Yeah, I'm not sure on the date-wise, but it is absolutely a tradition and something that we're we're very committed to, encouraging volunteerism in our community. Texans Care Volunteer Day is that one singular day that we use as a tentpole to raise the visibility of the importance of volunteering within our community. Our players will be out at, out at a number of great locations where fans can join them. You have to go to HoustonTexans.com and register for that opportunity. I believe, yeah, I believe it's capped at about 3,000 people that have you know, are lucky enough to get that opportunity. But you'll spend the morning with Texans players making a difference in the community and then um, you know, an opportunity to get pictures. I mean, it's fun when we're there to see the interaction with the fans and right. the players. And I go, and there are other uh, you know members of our uh, front office staff who make an appearance there. It's just it's fun. I mean, the off season, you kind of you really do miss the fans. You miss that interaction they have, the excitement, the energy, the passion that they have for the game of football and for the Houston Texans. And it's nice to touch it around draft day and and remind yourself of how special this experience is. Saturday, April twenty eighth. That's coming up. Oh, one other event I wanted to ask you about because this is a, a little bit different. It's not for everybody. It's certainly not for everybody. It's only for the kids. It's the kids triathlon. It's the biggest one in the world, right? Yeah, largest triathlon in the world, and and certainly our friends at uh, at Texas Children's Hospital help us to put that together. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, the kids. I mean, they're just doing it because they love to you know run and swim and uh, you know like a real triathlete. Right. But um, but more importantly is just instilling them the importance of a healthy lifestyle. Right. Uh, I, I think, you know, certainly it, it's proven that your habits are developed at a very early age. And, and once you develop good habits, it's very hard to break them. And if you develop bad habits, it's very hard to break them. So we're looking uh, to, you know, uh, help kids get on the right path early on. Like, like I said, we're so fortunate to have Texas Children's. And we have created what is right here in Houston, the largest event of its type on the planet. 
Wow. Uh, at the Care Texas kickoff, because this is going to happen soon enough. I mean, before you know, a college football season is here, and it's Labor Day weekend. And I know we're going to do it in Houston this year, right? You're going to do it. Yeah, I think that would be a great change. <laughs> Move it back from New Orleans to Houston. That was quick. Moving it to New Orleans. Yeah, but that was really, uh, re- it was surreal to uh, be in New Orleans about a decade past Hurricane Katrina. The amazing hospitality that they showed to us and, and our organization stepping up and showing just really tremendous character and, and commitment. And it, even though their our folks' homes may have been impacted by the storm, packing up, going to New Orleans and putting on a spectacular show. But this year, we're going to be at NRG Stadium. All right? We've mm-hmm. got to make that happen. And we're uh, so fortunate to have Ole Miss and Texas Tech Two, you know, outstanding football institutions and great fan bases that'll be competing Labor Day weekend. And don't know the, don't know the time yet, but we're on the Saturday, and uh, that that's really become a cherished beginning of the college football season here in Houston. It has, and the matchups have been amazing. So Texas Tech, you know, they like to move the football, so that's always fun to watch. And you mentioned Mahomes <laughs> playing for Kansas City. That's his alma mater. Absolutely. So. And absolutely. Wes Welker, who happens to be here in the building. Yep. It's yep. Uh, it's one of those things. It's kind of like being in a This Is Sports Center commercial uh, living here, working here at NRG Stadium. Yeah, well, it, it is. And, and it's fun that we've, we don't just do NFL football, but we do a broad uh, portfolio of events. I mean, it goes from the finest international soccer on the planet. Last year, we had the Manchester Derby. I saw it last weekend. Let me tell you, that thing is special. Mm-hmm. And the game itself was spectacular. A 3-2 to two win come from behind Manchester United. They don't even show up in the first half. And then they score three goals and, and, and take the uh, take the win. Uh, and the uh, Texas Bowl. The Texas Bowl is now the fourth best attended bowl game in America, only behind the uh, the Rose Bowl, the Cotton Bowl, and the and the Peach Bowl, uh, but it's ahead of three other New Year's Day games. Almost seventy thousand people every time we play that game, and it's making a tremendous uh, difference in our community from an economic impact perspective. We've generated well over a million dollars for DePelton Children's Centers, and again, that's what makes it fun: is that you're not you don't always have the same jersey on. All we're trying to do is create. Memorable experiences, whether that's NFL football, international soccer, concerts, which we have coming this uh, this fall, or um, uh, or college football, whatever it is, whatever the fans want to do, that's what we want to give to them. Jamie, thanks a lot for joining us. Thank you, Mark. Jamie Roots, president of your Texans. All right, that's going to do it for the show tonight. Thank you to Drew Doherty for participating. Jamie Roots, thanks for everyone for being a part of it this evening. You can check it out later on iTunes or TuneIn or HoustonTexans.com. Have a great weekend, and go Texans.